0: Selling up to the 9-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name's Chris. His name's Ed. This is Sacks in the Basement. For fans, by fans, 30 minutes of Sacks brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. They're going to take care of you all this month of November. 10% off in addition to if you mentioned Sacks in the Basement. where are take money off already. So give them a call if you've got any leakage, seepage, Water issues, foundational issues, you're worried about it, you're getting a new home, you want somebody to check it out, window wells, some pumps, you name it, they handle it. 708-330-4466 or check them out at familydry.com. James Fox going to be on the show in just a little bit from future socks. we got a lot to get into as the offseason has begun. But, Ed, we're trendsetters.
1: We are trendsetters, are we? We
0: are trendsetters, okay?
1: It's the first time anybody's ever said that about me. Avisel Garcia became a free
0: agent since our last show, and now everybody's talking about the possibility of Avisel Garcia being in right field for the Chicago White Sox. Who brought that up? Who brought that up first? Ed? Oh,
1: I believe I, I got a laugh out of you by <laughs> suggesting maybe overall he might be the best right fielder out there for the White Sox to sign because they want a complete player who can play the actual outfield and not just be a hitter. And you laughed and then we looked at it and we realized that, yep, Avi Garcia being in the right field for the White Sox once again might just be the best thing that they can do.
0: And then we would have to go back and take a look. Imagine going back. Let's say they re-sign Garcia and then you can go yeah. back to the first I want to say... maybe first six months of socks in the basement way back in the day when he was still on the team. And the question was, as he was playing really well and Jose Abreu was playing about average. Like, which one would you keep if you had to move on from one of them? And I, I have already admitted this. We've already done a show where I pointed out my worst takes and I was like, get rid of Abreu and keep Garcia. But imagine he comes back and they go and they win a World Series and he's like the MVP of the World Series. It'd be vindication for my really bad take. My bad take might actually prove to be good.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. And, and, well, and it, it, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. They, they moved on from Garcia because he had that one really awful season where I think he was trying to prove that he was the all-star that he was the year before. And then he went out there. He went to Tampa Bay. He went to Milwaukee, and he realized, you know what? I just got to do me. I got to be a good, solid outfielder. I got to hit you know, for what I can hit for average-wise, power-wise, and all that stuff, and I'm just going to contribute. I'm not going to try and be a star, and he's been successful. And that's what they need. Exactly. And, and you know, in a couple of years, because he's a few years younger, you might move on from Abreu and and keep Garcia, because one of them's going to retire sooner than the other one, probably.
0: Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I'm just joking about that. I I truly believe that Jose Abreu was the right guy to keep. And I was wrong.
1: 112 Back what man. I said, what it's I said. Nuts.
0: another thing that I saw though. And um, I'm going to steal this right off of their, their Twitter feed socks on 35th. Yeah. I love them. They got a great blog over there. Great guys. Uh, Jordan Lasowski, Joe binder. They've been on the show before. They do a great job analyzing the white socks. And yeah, they do. All we got here on socks in the basement is this podcast. And then your blog, uh, they, these guys, this is what they do. Anyway, Uh, they put out a tweet with one of these ridiculous, like, you know, it's, it's computer generated. It's like a ginormous iPhone with like a text message that looks like it goes on forever, right. Of somebody making an argument. And it said, which white Sox player are you defending like this? Basically saying like, when you hear somebody talking about this player, which player is it that you get so upset when people are talking about And I saw the tweet and I started uh, going through it. And I've decided there are people out there that hate us right now because there were several people in there that were very angry about the suggestion that Jose Abreu is more what 2019, 2021 Jose Abreu was than 2020's 60 games. And I'm sorry, it's true. And that there is a slight decline. And then they're upset about the suggestion that you're probably going to have to trade somebody. And I see a lot of, you can't trade Andrew Vaughn, you can't trade Aloya Menez you can't trade Yohan Moncada, the Yohan Moncada one, like people are just all fired up about. And I think the question I have to ask is, what is the point of sitting around in the offseason, trying to figure out how to make a team that was one-dimensional into a world championship team if you think we're going to keep every single player? Because if you keep every single player, you're going to get the same result, I believe, next year. I don't think everybody believes that, and I'm surprised by that, Cause I don't know if they were watching the same playoff series against the Astros that I was watching, but this team needs some, some adjusting. And there's, you can only keep so many guys that are basically a DH first base and corner outfielder. You, you know, you can only keep so many guys that do the same thing at the plate. Uh, you may need to make some adjustments to this team. And I know it's going to hurt, but I think we're running into a thing where there's a section of White Sox fans that are like, but I bought this guy's Jersey. You can't get rid of him.
1: Well, yeah, and, and th- you mentioned my blog, which that's literally the blog that's sitting out through the most uh, recent installment is all about is is it's going to hurt when Rick Hahn makes a trade this year because if you look at the guys that you could do without, the Sox don't have anybody on the MLB pipeline top 100. You know, they've, they've got a couple of good prospects down there. Jake Berger is is, is one of them. Uh, Yoelki Cespedes is the other, you know, that that's really, you know, a, a name that you could look at but they don't have guys that they can just pull together in the minors that are going to attract a huge return, or at least not what you need for a championship team, right? So I don't necessarily want to see as a fan, I don't want to see Yoan Moncada traded, but if there's a blockbuster-style trade out there where the Sox are going to become multidimensional or fill multiple holes, and it takes Johan Moncada, and it it's something that gets me excited and gets the Sox closer to being in the World Series and winning the World Series, then I'm going to trust that Rick Hahn, you know, had a reason for picking Yoan Moncada versus Andrew Vaughn or versus Jake Berger. And and I don't want to see the guy go necessarily. I think he's a really good player. I think he will rebound closer to what he was a couple years ago, and he's not, you know, the guy that we've seen in the post-COVID Yohan Moncada era. And I don't necessarily want to see them trade Jose Abreu. I think he's a guy that's not going anywhere. in fact, I called him an untouchable in the blog. I said you, you can't trade the guy there's there, he doesn't have enough value to the point where you're ever going to get enough back in return for what you lose losing him. but um, but yeah, this idea that you can't you know that the the untradable list is everybody except for you know Zach Collins. Michael Adolfo? I mean, you know that's that's yeah, that's, who, that's a, who you're going to trade. Who are gonna, you getting for those guys? We're
0: just going to trade Michael Adolfo. We're going to get the 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 thing that's going to fix this entire this entire team. You're
1: going to get an all star second baseman for a guy who hit two forty five, Granted, with a lot of home runs last year, but struck out a ton and and, and is out of options. He's out, out of outfield. options,
0: and you have to get rid of basically or put on. Yeah, your team. and he's, right. he's
1: out of options, and and so you have to put him <laughs> on your major league <laughs> roster whether he's ready or not. Yeah, that, that's not. That's not really how the trade market's going to play out. for. And I'm not saying that Adolfo doesn't get traded for something useful, but if you're expecting, again, if you're expecting an all-star second baseman to show up on the south side of Chicago and it's not Marcus Semyon or Corey Seager playing out of position and it's going to be in a trade, you got to be realistic. Yeah, it might be Andrew Vaughn. If you want Kettle Marte, and I've heard that name bandied about as a trade partner, the Diamondbacks are not giving up the face of their franchise for a not a prospect, power hitting a minor league outfielder, and uh, you know Jake Berger, I, you know that's not enough for them to get rid of a guy that that they've built their franchise around.
0: So I just want to name off a couple of names: Aloya Menez, Gavin Sheets, Jose Abreu, Andrew Vaughn. All right, those those four names. Those are four names yeah. that are sitting out there right now that would take up three positions: first base left field and DH and I know that everybody's like oh I'll just put Vaughn and in, in right you have you have defensive deficiencies and you have a lot of issues and that is not I know you want to keep everybody but you have a log jam basically and, and the other thing I want to point out is the people that are sitting around saying well get a better defensive catcher because I'm angry about something that Yasmani Grandal does okay well now add him into that group of players you still only have three positions though because he's your DH and because you went with the defensive catcher, I think that's one of the cutest things that I've heard so far. We'll get that defensive catcher and then make uh, Grand, just put Grandal at DH and he can fill in at first base and everything else. All right. So then you got Abreu, Grandal, Vaughn, Sheets, and Jimenez vying for three positions every day on your lineup card. You're going to have to break right. some eggs to make an omelet. It sucks. Let me tell you something right now. Like Andrew Vaughn, I think, is going to be a star. Aloy Jimenez is showed that he was a beast before the injury. And I think he's going to come back and be a beast, right? I think he's a 100%. good player. Yeah. Jose Abreu is a leader who, while having declining skills, is still a very good player that, that any championship team would be happy to have on their roster. Gavin Sheets is a homegrown left-handed power hitter. You've been waiting for that for 20 years or so, maybe longer. In fact, I don't remember when we have ever done that. So much longer than that. Like,
1: all these different I've guys. i actually researched that and written a blog about how the Sox basically, you almost have to go back to Harold for that one. Robin Ventura, you know? I mean, all of
0: these guys, they're all really good players. The problem is, is that you're missing at certain positions that these guys can't play. And so, you're going to have to make some moves. And it sucks. But it's It's inevitable. Ed, I popped into 10614 Southwestern Avenue today, actually. Can you tell me what that location is? Three, two, hmm. one. Cork and Kerry? Yes. Yes, I was over at the Cork today. Uh, and I was hanging out there. You can go see them at Cork and Kerry Beverly along Western Avenue or down at 33rd and Princeton for Cork and Kerry at the park. The kitchen is down at the park. They make spectacular food. Uh, They've got uh, great pulled pork sandwiches, award-winning burgers, and it's just a nice, cozy neighborhood bar. Even when the season is over, it's a great place to go grab a bite to eat or meet up with some friends and have a drink. It's nice. It's chill. It's cool. And you can also head over to the pub Cork and Carry Beverly, the original at 106th and Western. And I've been telling you, I'm on a Guinness kick lately. And it's a great bar to sit down and have a Guinness. That's it. That's just a oh yeah, solid bar to sit there, get something on the rocks, and just kind of any enjoy. Any good the...
1: Irishman, any good Irishman will tell you Guinness is light beer. Yeah, it's low in calories and it's <laughs> it refreshing.
0: Is. It is. That's that's how I view it. All right. That's uh, how
1: I view it too. That's I don't I don't drink light beer. I drink Guinness <laughs> when I want to drink light.
0: You know, if you get a nice night, you don't mind the briskness. They got a great outdoor patio, but they also have rooms to rent inside. They got that great bar area. Uh, It's an excellent spot to go out and meet new friends and see your old friends. Cork and Carrie Beverly, Cork and Carrie at the park. See about all of them at CorkandCarrie.com. Joining me on the phone line right now from Future Sox, we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on down in the minors and and if there's anything that's going to be done here in the next couple of weeks, maybe uh, protect the guy in the 40-man roster. But we're also going to get into stuff going on with the Major League roster with him. He's been on the show a bunch of times before. James Fox on the program. How are you, James? I'm good, Chris. How are you? I, I appreciate you jumping on. Now, um, we haven't really heard from the Sox. And there's a possibility between me and you talking right now and this show coming out on Friday morning, there's a chance they do talk. Is it weird to you that we haven't heard something, that the World Series is over, and we didn't hear anything from the team until after the World Series was over?
2: Yeah, I think it's strange. I mean, I think last year they met the media late, and Reggie got fired, and Cooper got fired, and, like, that was kind of the reason why. I mean, this year, like, as soon as teams started getting knocked off, like, they met with the media, and Han just, like, kind of didn't, which – yeah, it's very strange. Now, I don't know that that means that, like, somebody's about to fall or, like, something crazy is going to happen because, like, Tony LaRouche is returning. And, you know, as we record, James Fusherty just reported that his expectation is that most of the, or that the entire coaching staff is going to return, too. Um, so I thought maybe, like, Frank Medichino as a sacrificial lamb, even though, like, I think he's done a pretty good job. I mean, the team had a 109 weighted runs created plus you know, as a squad, that's like third in the American league. Um, so, but I mean, look, I had heard, I had heard some rumblings that Tony wasn't, you know, completely on board with Manichino, but I, you know, you, you never know who's making decisions up there and the Boston Red Sox parted ways with their hitting coach, Tim Hiers, who has, you know, some ties to, Boston when LaRusso was there and Andy Barquette who's already in player development in the White Sox organization. So I guess like that's something to monitor, but it seems like the coaching staff probably returned. So then at this point, like maybe Han just like wanted to wait and do one media availability instead of a bunch because, you know, they have to submit qualifying offers by Sunday and you know, they have a big decision whether to offer the QO to Carlos Rodan by then um, free agents officially become free agents today. We haven't heard any official word on that. And they do have options to either accept or decline, which, you know, I think we've kind of talked about. So maybe he just like wants to get all of it out of the way in one media
0: session. Carlos Rodan, you think he's a lock for the qualifying offer by Sunday?
2: I, I think it's organizational malpractice practice if they don't at least offer it. Now I've heard both, as far as like whether he takes it or not, like I've actually heard, heard both. Like to me, it makes sense for him to take $18 million if that's what he's offered. And then you hopefully replicate your previous season. And then you go out into the market, like unencumbered with a qualifying offer next year, like kind of on Kevin Goffman in San Francisco. I think that makes a lot of sense. I had heard that some people close to Carlos, like would urge him to just take $18 million if it's offered. and kind of bet on himself. But look, like if he, if he turned it down knowing that he has three years and 70 million out there for him or something like, yeah, I mean, nobody should be surprised by that. The White Sox just have to protect themselves. You know, it's either a one year, $18 million contract for Carlos Rodon or he declines it and you get a pick after the second round when he signs elsewhere. So, I mean, I know that they're probably a little bit budget conscious, um, but I just don't think you can lose him for nothing right
0: now. So I know that you've had a good chuckle over the fact that I was like Marcus Semien. I, I just want him to just go fix uh, second base and go get a guy that hits over thirty home runs. And uh, you know, money be damned because uh, I think that we have to spend. Now, on the other hand, we might agree a little bit on the fact this team is going to spend. What do you think they're going to do this offseason? Is this going to be you know, let's go out and find the cheapest option to plug some holes because. We're pretty much tapped out, or do you think that because Tony LaRusso only has so much time, and he's got the error of Jerry Reinsdorf, that this team is going to go out and is going to spend money, and we're going to see some some solid improvements on this roster going into 2022?
2: So they're definitely going to add. They're definitely going to spend money. I mean, they didn't hire Tony to not win. I mean, Jerry, this is, I don't know how much longer Jerry Reinsdorf's going to own the White Sox, and look, I mean, this is like a leap of faith for Tony, right? So, I, like, I don't think we're going to see the Jock Peterson and Eduardo Escobar, like, offseason. Like, I think, like, you know, legit pieces are coming somewhere. Now, they might be via trade if they don't want to spend as much. And we've talked about, and you guys have talked about on the show, just, like, it's a weird roster with a lot of redundancy. So, like, do they trade Aloy Jimenez? Do they trade Andrew Vaughn for, you know somebody that can play right or second every day that hits left-handed. Like I'd prefer they not trade Andrew Vaughn, but I mean, look, when your roster is this way, I think everything kind of has to be on the table to improve. I don't think they're going to just like sign Marcus Simeon and Michael Conforto and like, you know, push the payroll to $200 million. But I also don't think they're just going to not spend either. I think the Kimbrell decision is an important one. I think they'll, they'll pick up that option and then they'll trade him. So you'll shed that money I think if the option gets picked up, I think they have a pretty good inkling of, like, where he's going or, like, a set of teams that are, like, willing already. I mean, they definitely have, like, talked about this prior to, like, saying yes or no on that option. Then I think second base is, like, a little more interesting just because, like, Cesar Hernandez was bad, but the option price isn't that much money. And if you look at the free agent class, like, unless you're signing one of these monster shortstops and moving them to second... There's, like, not a ton of better options than Cesar Hernandez and, uh, you know, I mentioned Eduardo Escobar. If Eduardo Escobar is, like, part of the plan, like, I'm fine with that. I just, you know, then you need, like, a big upgrade in right field. So very long-winded, but, like, yes, I expect them to spend. I mean, the payroll is going to be high. It's got to be – I mean, it has to be, like, in the 170 to 180 range, you would think. I mean, this should be a – top 10 payroll in baseball, probably bottom 10, but they're probably the bottom half of the top 10. But I mean, yeah, like they have to spend because while I think they're good enough and I think the Braves kind of just showed us like, you know, some of the stuff that like a lot of us were worried about is, is probably nonsense. Like you still want as good of a team as possible.
0: James Fox from Future Sox. I also wanted to have you on today because you've got your finger on the pulse of the minor leagues and things with the depth chart. And we're going to have to make a decision or the White Sox are going to have to make a decision in about mid-November as to whether or not they're going to protect anybody before the Rule 5 draft. Now, in previous years, you'd have all these guys be like, we got to put this guy on the roster because, like, he's a big prospect and we don't know if he's going to end up being part of the World Series team. It's not really like that this year, though, is it? Is there, like, a name that I should even be paying attention to? Or do any of these guys that are Rule 5 uh, eligible even matter?
2: Yeah, so I wouldn't be really that concerned about it. Um, You know, like Cade McClure is a right-handed starter that had a pretty good year as a six-round pick back in like 2017, I believe. They left him unprotected last year, and he wasn't taken. But this year he like made it to Charlotte. He's probably solid rotation depth, like outside of your Jimmy Lambert and Jonathan Stever, who just had, you know, like a surgery on his lap, so I don't know when he's going to be ready. I I bet they add Cade McClure just to be safe. And then another guy we have in our top 30 is Jason uh, Billis. He was a right handed pitcher out of Coastal Carolina. You know, didn't really throw strikes in college. I thought he was going to be a reliever, like convert, but you know, he throws hard and he's like, really like decreased the walk rate too. So he he's like one of their top 30 prospects as like a starter that could move fast if they moved him in the bullpen. So I think those two guys are possible. Like there's other names, like you, Lenyon Sosa's and I I just, like, don't think they're in the position to add guys like that. And, like, you're not really at risk of losing anybody like that either. So, yeah, like, in past years, it's like, oh, my goodness, they have to protect, like, these five or six guys. Like, it might be two this time. And then maybe a surprise would be, like, you know, the catcher, Carlos Perez, that was in double-A and then triple-A. He's, like, one of their catching prospects that can actually play defense. So, you know, maybe if, like, your means go on and they trade Collins or something, like, they – they add Perez to the roster and then sign a that catcher or two or something. But I would say those are like the three names to keep an eye on in regards to rule five. But as of right now, I mean, if the players get locked out, like there won't be a rule five because that's in December.
0: Yeah, that's exactly true. And I would, I'm going to finish up with a question about that with you but before we get to that settle something for me, because we know we have white Sox fans that are really into their team and they're aware of names that are down in the minor leagues. And as they're sitting around trying to figure out, well, we do need help in right field, and we do need uh, help in second base, what about these guys? So explain to me, even though I I kind of already know, and explain to the listeners why Yoki Cespedes and uh, Yobert Sanchez are not the fixes at second base and right field. Because
2: they're just, like, not ready to play Major
0: League Baseball yet. I mean, like...
2: I, I think Yolbert, like, if you told me Yolbert was on the Sox in the second half of the year, like, I could believe that. Like, I think he's, like, 24, and he's hit more than he was supposed to hit, and he showed some power, and he's good defensively. Like, that's a utility player. And, like, for $2 million or $2.5 million, like, that's fine. And there's he doesn't really need a ton more seasoning. Like I think you send him to Charlotte as one of your middle infielders, and then if he's, like, the new Danny Mendick or something, like, I think that's realistic. I just, you can't start the season with him. I don't think I think, but I think Romy Gonzalez and you know, for your, your Larry fans. And look, the last time we bad about Larry Garcia on a podcast, like he delivered like one of the greatest <laughs> moments of like our lives. You and I both did it, James, right before game three. Yeah. And then he hit the monster <laughs> Homer. I just like, think you have to let him explore the market. And if there's like two years and 12 million out there for him, like, I hope he takes it because while Larry is very useful I just, I don't trust him on a team managed by Tony La Russa. He's just going to play too much, and we know he's going to play too much. So, like, I think Romy Gonzalez is ready to, you know, he's not going to start at second base, but he can, he can do one of your your bench bats that plays all over the place. Like, I think he's earned a shot. Now, you know, Loki is not ready to play Major League Baseball. I mean, he's struggling in the AFL right now, but it's good that he's out there. Um, I think they could send him back to double A and then, you know, he plays at triple A. And then if he's, you know, look, then at that point, like, if he really takes off, great. Then he's like an option for you or like he's an option in a trade. But like, it, it's crazy to like, you know, I get it in my mentions too. Like, oh, your says this is going to be their right fielder. Like, that's their plan. Like, that, that's not their plan. That's crazy. Like, that's not going to happen. But we're going to have to do the same thing once they sign Oscar Colas in January. Like, it's going to be like, oh, how soon is he coming? Is either Eric Parent to Jose Brady first. Like, no, they're just, you know, they're, they're, they're just minor league signings at this point. So I would not be counting on those two guys. But, you know, if you told me that either of them were on the team in the second half of the year, it wouldn't be terribly surprising, but probably more likely 2023, I would think.
0: All right, James, before I let you go, uh, I got to ask your opinion on this. Uh, Ed and I are kind of of the opinion that you could actually see them do things like maybe make a trade or you're going to see some little minor moves that are made, but they're not going to go out and do anything uh, free agency wise until we see what happens with the CBA. Uh, Are you pretty much along the same thoughts? Do you think even a trade is impossible until we find out what the CBA looks like?
2: So I, w- I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they move Kimbrell prior to December 1st, just to kind of like get some clarity there. I mean, dude, the White Sox are weird. Like, I've had these same discussions where it's like, you know, qual- like you'll know the qualifying offer people, right? And I think there's going to be an all-time like high level of qualifying offers offered like upwards of like 13 or 14 this year. Because if you just like look at the free agent class and the guys that are eligible, There's no reason to not offer it. So there's some clarity there. If like a handful of guys accept it, they won't be free agents. So then you'll know. I'm very curious, like you two, to see just how active like anyone is. I mean, the, the GM meetings are next week. A lot of the groundwork for deals is laid there. And then they get done at the winter meetings. There probably will be no winter meetings because, you know, I fully expect the league to lock out the players. But I'm not, I don't, I'm not the same doomsday as like, some, like they're going to, they're going to come up with a deal and, and we're going to have baseball and we're going to have it on time and we're going to have 162. I just, you know, man, you're a union guy, like dead, deadlines spur action and like, it'll get done. I just think our off season fun will be delayed, but it's delayed every year anyway. I mean, I feel like nobody signs anymore until after new year. So I think it'll be similar, but you know, I, I, I'm just curious to see what happens over the next four weeks. Because I think, like, if somebody does, like, jump out and, like, jump the market, like, I could see the White Sox being the team that does something like that. Like, they've done it, you know, two off-seasons ago. I mean, that was, like, what? That was late November for Grandal, and then they tried to land Wheeler, like, you know, like, within the next week. I mean, they had their targets. They they were going to try to land both of them, and it was done fairly early. And, and if I recall correctly, I guess Hendrix was kind of later. But, I mean, like, you know, there were, like, rumors right away. We kind of knew who the White Sox targets were. So, you know, I do think we, we start to hear some concrete information as to, like, who they're interested in, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Kimberl move. But, I mean, I would say across the sport, like, November won't be that busy other than bookkeeping stuff and qualifying offers and stuff like that until there's, like, a new agreement.
0: James Fox from Future Sox, also over at Southside Sox. You can check him out on Twitter. He's a good follow in the offseason. He breaks things from time to time. Everyone's well. James is the first guy. So if you're going to follow somebody, at JamesFox917 on Twitter. And James, thanks for jumping on. We'll talk to you soon.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. appreciate it, Chris.
0: We're getting uh, some people that have thrown out names for our thousand dollar guest bounty. A couple of names thrown out there for the thousand dollar guest bounty. Uh, I have to, I have to check on this one because I just don't know whether or not. Like when I get them, I don't know if they're real. I think that's the thing.
1: Yeah, that, that that's well, that's the trick though. Is is yeah. that you can you can toss a name our way, but you got to be able to deliver. They right. got to be able to appear on the show.
0: I don't want to like announce it, but like I just got one that was given to me. It was a former general manager of Major League Baseball. That would be just an interesting name to, you know, to talk to. And he's been critical of Jerry Reinstorf in the past. Like this, I think this would aggravate the White Sox if I had this person on. But I don't know if he's real. I don't know if this is a real name. I don't know if this is a real email. It was sent to me. This guy says this is his entry to win $1,000 for the most interesting guest of the off off-season, offseason. For the best guest of the offseason. But now I have to go through the process of vetting and making sure I'm not just talking to somebody pretending to be this guy. So... Like that's where that's where I'm at on a couple different guests right so,
1: now. So you're worried about being catfished in yeah. this process? Yeah, I'm worried about being catfished. That's I don't want to well, be catfished. Uh, well, again though, but but again, remember, Chris, the way people win is that the guest appears on the show, and then when we get to spring training, which hopefully will be on time, and the CBA won't prevent this, be. but. Uh, you know but when we get to spring training we're gonna have the fans vote on who appeared on the show that was the best guest out of all the entries and that's how the person's gonna win the thousand dollars it's gonna be by by the listeners voting so they can catfish you but if they don't deliver
0: i know i know but you know me i mean we we used to do morning radio back in the late 90s early 2000s together you you and me remember that and remember the stuff that i used to pull to mess with other radio djs like like what if this is just another podcast trying to make fun of the like like i i I think the worst in everything because i used to do it like (laughs) i used to (laughs) i used to mess with other radio djs so i'm sitting there going well i mean like i I i know like i immediately was like well who can mess with how can i be messed with with this that's what i was thinking like how can i be messed with And so there will be a vetting, and I'll I'll figure this out. And if it's true, then we'll have this guy on and several of the other ones that are already lining up. I think we're going to have a really interesting next couple of months once we're able to start rolling out some of these suggestions. If you have somebody you think you can get on this show, you could win $1,000 by getting that guest on this show. And all you have to do is reach out to us at SocksInTheBasement.com. There's plenty of ways to do it. You can leave us a voicemail with your information. You can use the contact page. Uh, Just reach out to us. Tell us about the guest. We'll hook it up. If they appear, you are entered. And at the end of the offseason, during spring training, the fans will vote. And the winner wins $1,000 from Elite Benefits of America. Butch Zemar over there wants to help your mid, your small company do better when it comes to insurance. You know, like like get it at a lower cost, but keep the benefits up there. Help your employees. Make sure it costs less out of their paycheck. Make sure it costs less uh, your contributions into it. Uh, insurance is a really tricky thing and it gets trickier year by year in this country it's really just like an intricate spider web Uh, you want to talk with an expert butch is going to find a way to uh, get you to spend a little bit less and uh, and get more out of the whole thing that's what he does Uh, it does not hurt to sit down and talk with a butch Zemar at EliteBenefits.net. give him a call at 708-535-3006 now James Fox brought up some interesting points there. He always has good stuff. Like, I had him on because I wanted to talk about the minor league thing. And then he throws in the, I wouldn't be surprised if Frank Mankino got moved on. Like, like the, the White Sox could drop their hitting coach.
1: The, the the Foxy sense is tingling or whatever you want to yeah. say there. But, what yeah, does that mean? I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I would be... Look, we can, we can argue again about what the Sox did or didn't do. And we've done that, you know, we've talked about their deficiencies and, uh, you know, in terms of pitching, in terms of hitting and, you know, specific players where their struggles were, but were they bad overall offensively this year? No, they were actually pretty good. You know, when you, when you look at the overall team stats and when you look at their position in in the majors, but I don't know, I mean, moving on from a hitting coach is something that I think teams do every once in a while, and if, if there are if there are guys that, you know, th- they were looking at having Menachino really develop this year that didn't make strides, or if there was something about the approach that they felt was off that was hurting the production from some of the players, then... Yeah, you know, a new voice would be in it. And, and the only question is, uh, will they go the Ethan Katz route and find Lucas Giolito's high school hidden coach? Socks in, Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement.
0: Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere
2: a podcast can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.